You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. Hi, everyone. I'm back. I'm here. I'm still here. Thank you for joining me and for your support during my hiatus. I'm looking forward to sharing the next eight episodes with you bi-weekly in this new season format. And I'm sending love to all of you. How are you doing? During this break time, my husband was doing a play in San Diego, and I was working my day job full-time from home while solo parenting. Luckily, with the help of my mom generously staying with us for a while and a hodgepodge of babysitters, in-laws visiting over the Thanksgiving, it was a patchwork. And now Frankie is back, and we're rolling together as a family again, thank goodness. I hope you're taking care of yourselves. This Omicron wave is so overwhelming and infuriating after all of this time. Um, But I want to introduce you to my guest today. It's Jeffrey Allen Murphy. He's a fantastic and talented actor who I've been lucky to know from way back. We did the Chautauqua Summer Theater program together the summer before my senior year of undergrad and then wound up together for four solid years at Juilliard for grad school. He's been understudying To Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway, and we recorded this at the end of October during the hiatus. So it was before the current COVID spike. I know he was going on a lot during Omicron, and it was just announced in mid-January that the show is on hold now until the beginning of June. I'm so grateful for his time and his openness with me, and I hope you enjoy the 179th episode of The Compass. Wrapped up in that is when I say the dark side, what comes to your mind? What is that most often for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it presents itself in a few uh, in a few different ways. Um, I think frequently one that comes up is jealousy. I think that that's something that everybody in our business, you know, struggles with uh, because there's a finite amount of things to be doing. And everybody wants to do all the things. And I think that that's a, a, a normal a normal emotion for people uh, who work in the arts. Um, so that's one aspect of the dark side. Another aspect is, you know, the idea of um, the, uh, what do you call it? Uh, imposter syndrome mm-hmm. definitely is a huge one. Um, and yeah, I... Does that hit you... Does that hit you most often when you're 
between work or when you're actually working on a project? Just curious. Ooh, that's, I think it actually hits me most when I'm in the project. Hmm. Like, especially like at the beginning of a project, when you're like, you don't feel like you have your feet fully under you. Right. And you're like making a choice and you're, you're like, I don't know about this choice. And, you know, it's, uh, that can definitely maybe like, or if you're, or if you're like working with a bunch of people who are like, these people are all really good. Am I the person <laughs> who sucks in this show? <laughs> so, I mean, it pops up in different times. Um, and for me also, the dark side presents itself as just like profound social anxiety. Right. Um, and, uh, and those are all, I think one of the beautiful things about getting older is getting to know how, when you're having your dark side attacks. Um, cause when I was younger, I was, you know, I would just be in the middle of the storm and I wouldn't even know what was going on. And, uh, now I'm like, okay, I'm having these feelings and they're not grounded in reality. And this but, has happened um, before and I've survived. Yeah, exactly. Uh, actually it's, kind of off topic but i i have one tattoo um and it's just the word temporary uh and there's two reasons for it one i I think it's funny to you know oh you have a tattoo yeah i have a temporary tattoo (laughs) but uh but no it's a kind of a reminder for me that everything is temporary you know um if i'm going through a really hard time that's temporary if i'm going through a great time that's also temporary uh so that is the only only thing i've (laughs) Yeah, I love it too. Um, So yeah, I I think that we all have to find what works for us in order to fight the the dark dark side. Uh, I uh, one thing I know this is going to sound maybe a little weird. Uh, I love watching documentaries about like space, or like if I was living out in the country, I'd just sit and I'd look at like the stars or something like that. Like zoom out as far as possible. As far as possible, um, because it it just none of the things that are bugging me really matter. You know, humanity is a blip on on the history of you know the universe, and certainly whether or not I get this job or whether so and so you know likes me or whatever that that doesn't really matter. You know, right. um, it, it it is funny, I think how we get so, and I'm speaking about myself here, we get so wrapped up in how important these little things are. And while I think art is important, you know, we aren't, we aren't actually, you know, curing diseases or things like that. You know, um, if I do a terrible job acting, no one dies, which, uh, ideally, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I haven't acted that poorly yet, but you know, Give me time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's... Well, it's, ba- uh, it's balancing that. We're like, yes, of course, you're right. This It's not that dire. And then also the... Um, I guess since, since we are people who are marrying art with commerce, like the stakes of I'm trying to provide for my life and pay for things like food and housing, which are dire, you know, things yeah. like that. So it is a an interesting conundrum. Well, I certainly hear you on that. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, I feel like a lot of the dark side aspects, uh, for me and for some of my friends, they all wrap around. I mean, working in 
acting. It is such a bizarre dance you do with your own ego. Um, Because you have to think you're really good to stick with it. You know, you have to you have to feel like you have something to say or you have to feel like you uh, can be a use. You know, you have to think you're an artist in order to do the thing, but you have to be able to put it aside in order to go some of these places emotionally. You have to be able to put it aside to deal with this this life that we live. Um, and yeah, so I guess that's why pulling way back, you know, and looking at the stars and sometimes I'll like watch documentaries about like horrible things that have happened in the past. And that will also remind me <laughs> that, that I'm like, this isn't so bad. Right. It's like, you know, um, it's like, um, oh, this isn't the, you know, plague of 16, whatever, you know. Well, on that subject though, can we talk a little bit about how you've been over the course of the pandemic and how you're doing now? What is this bizarre time been like for you? It's a year and a half that's felt like a decade. Uh, it, 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 I mean, I, I don't think anybody was like having a great time during the, I mean, maybe somebody was, but um, it was such a, it was such a weird, weird transition. Um, because two weeks before we shut down, um, uh, I, I'm in the show uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, and we did a show in Madison Square Garden for 18,000 school children on That's February right. 26th of 2020. Oh my goodness. Which was uh, incredibly stressful for everybody involved, but the actual day of it was amazing. I've, you know, I, I doubt I'll ever be privy to an audience that is that exciting and electric and, you know, it was really a fantastic experience and it was probably a super spreader event. If we're, if we're being real, Very um, I mean, hindsight's, you know, 2020 right, of uh, course. pun not intended, but, uh, but yeah. And then two weeks later, it's just like, okay, uh, don't come to work today, you know? And then it's like, things just kept getting kicked down the, the road. And, and the first few weeks, I think, you know, a lot of us were like, Oh, cool. This is a nice little, vacation you know we were still getting paid for the first couple of weeks um interestingly once we got into the meat of the pandemic i found it certain aspects of it very relieving um because i no longer felt like i was i I had no fomo you know yeah it was unique in that way. Where it's like, oh, I, there's nothing I should be doing. There's nothing right. that Everything's I... shut down. Yeah. Um, yeah. And being like, oh. And, and then the whole thing of like jealousy, like there, there was no one to be jealous of. We were all in the exact same position. Right. Um, and so that was, you know, relieving for like, I don't know, a couple of days. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it was a challenge. Um, and I worked hard to just fill my time and try and get a schedule going. You know, um, I had a group of friends, we'd get together on zoom every week to read a play, uh, which was really, really, um, it was really valuable just to 
have an opportunity to do the thing, even if it's just your friends, you know? Um, and I also played like online trivia with friends a lot. I mean, it was, it was such a bizarre time. And I, I, I also felt very lucky knowing that there was a job that I would go back to. Um, Right, because your show had been doing well enough that that seemed predetermined. Yeah, obviously all because of my work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's a great it's a great show, but like um, I'm I'm I was very lucky. I am very lucky to be a part of it now. I was lucky to be a part of it then, but uh, it's very unusual to have a job that sticks around this long period. Yeah, of so. course. So, but that was. And another thing that I was going through, I don't know if this will be of any interest to anybody else, but like I had a back injury that I was trying to uh, get back surgery for. And I was just Before this all started or did it happen during the pandemic? I I got injured myself in 2019 and uh, it was was excruciatingly painful and I was working through it. And um, by my own choice, I wasn't, nobody was, you know, forcing me to do anything. but uh, I was working through it, and then the pandemic came along, and I was like, okay, I need to get spinal surgery. This is the time to do it. And the bureaucratic nightmare that was involved with that was awful. Um, to get workers' comp? Or- yeah, and it, it took like a, it took over a year uh, to get it approved. Wow. Which was... Uh, a year of you experiencing the pain. <laughs> well, and it was also the a year of, you know, oh, file this paperwork, wait. X number of weeks to hear back. Oh, no, they say no. Okay, then we have to appeal it. And then it was was just... And then during that time also, you know, we had that like, oh, it'll be four weeks. Oh, it'll be six weeks. Oh, it'll be six months. It'll be, you know, for... Yeah, the shutdown. Yeah, so it's uh, it was a real um, experiment for all of us in patience. Um. But it also, I think, reminded a lot of us of what matters, you know, Um, because, I mean, you can create art anywhere. You can express yourself anywhere. A job, yes, it's great. You know, it's important to make money. And obviously, we all need to eat, you know, and have a place to sleep and uh, need to be able to buy, you know, toys for our cats and so forth. But um, it's... I don't know. I mean, it's important that our loved ones are a part of our lives and that we are there for them and that we're, you know, it's, uh, that, you know, I feel like that was an important reminder that like work isn't everything. Yeah. Especially with the, the demands that our industry puts on you. And I know a lot of those are being discussed now with things like the five day rehearsal week or the number of shows the Mm -hmm. discussion over the 10 out of 12 hour work days during tech which i'm excited about and it was it was interesting like when it's always like the show must go on the show must go on to actually have a time when the show couldn't go on and to for people to be like oh right i'm a human yeah and i'm sure it was you know (laughs) even more special for parents you know yes yes yeah i am not a personally i'm a cat parent but that's different uh (laughs) did you i know your family is not too far away. Did you get to spend any time with them? No, no, I didn't get to spend any time with them. Um, other than on zoom, uh, you know, it's, you know, with, with the, uh, 
the, the frustration is, is that at least with the situation of, of my apartment, there's no, there was no ability to really properly isolate, you know, in order to do our laundry, we had to go around the corner to a laundromat in order to, you know, get groceries and not, right. you know, pay a crazy amount of money. We had to go to the grocery store. And so there was no way that we could really properly isolate in a way that would be safe for a person with, uh, immunocompromised uh, with pre-existing conditions to be around, which was really hard. Mm. It was really hard. Um, Cause my parents, they don't live that far away. They live like an hour and a half away. Uh, and I hadn't didn't get to see them for, you know, like a year plus, mm. you know? So it's um, yeah. I'm, I, and yeah, it's, so that was, that was a challenging bit for sure. Um, but yeah, I was just here, just here in my apartment in New York, uh, sitting on my fire escape, <laughs> which, um, uh, with my girlfriend. So that's, you know, that's good. Yeah. You know, somehow she has managed to tolerate me, uh, throughout <laughs> being locked in a, a big test, a big test for everybody. Uh, yeah. So tell us about what the last like month has been like, cause you guys are open now. You're performing. We are, again. we are. Um, it has been, um, and are you, I'm sorry, are you, are you an offstage cover or are you yes, on the show yeah. every night? Okay. Offstage. Yeah. Um, which is, which is, a, honestly being an offstage cover is, uh, a challenge to the ego of its, I mean, you've done it. So, yeah. um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure your audience members have heard many times over uh what a fantastic actress you are i'm here to back that up uh big fan (laughs) um i was actually doing the math the other day i think we've known each other for 17 years that sounds about right (laughs) jeff and i met each other doing a summer program at the chautauqua institute summer summer before my senior year of college was that the same yeah that sounds right yeah 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 it's been a long time yeah and And then then uh, we wound up at juilliard together (laughs) indeed Group 38, what's up? Um, The last month has been really crazy in a good way in in that certain aspects have felt so normal, like so profoundly normal, and other aspects are incredibly bizarre. Um, It is, you know, this is probably the best thing for me has been having a schedule having a place I have to be every day. Um, it's good for my, my, my psyche um, just to be able to plan around stuff. Cause otherwise I'll just, you know, not do anything <laughs> if I don't have a schedule. Well, and I found it increasingly difficult to focus over the course of the pandemic. I don't know uh, yeah, for, think... for different reasons, dealing with parenting and such too, but like, I think it probably affects everybody in some way, just the dealing with all of this time. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing is, is if you have all day to do something, then there's no, like, there's no fire under the, 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 the pot to make it happen. It's like, oh, sometime between now and 14 hours from now, I have to do the dishes. And it's always like 11.30 p.m. <laughs> doing the dishes. So, um, yeah, having a schedule has been huge, but it's, um, 
yeah, I mean, I'm, I just feel really lucky to have a job and, uh, and it's, I do think that everybody involved has a, a, a new, uh, a new appreciation for how special it is to be working. Um, especially cause the schedule on, you know, in a professional theater production is, can be very grueling, especially when you include understudy rehearsals, uh, you know, it can, it can be very tiring and just being able to show up and be like, you know what? I wasn't able to do this for a year and a half. This is, I really am glad to be here. And it's also always great to be just around, uh, really talented artists. And, uh, it was nice to be in the rehearsal room with, you know, uh, with Aaron Sorkin and with, with Bart Schur and, you know, all the Jeff Daniels and Celia, you know, oh my gosh. Yeah, no. And, and, and having Jeff Daniels come back and Celia Cannon Bolger come back was really, really special is special. They're still there. Um, <laughs> uh, might not be by the time this airs, but true. Um, it'll be a few months, but hopefully they'll still be in it. We could just, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, but also like, I'm not doing anything and that's, also a reality of it is like my job is to be ready and and I am ready and it can be very hard to sit around and be like oh because most days when I show up to work I feel like I'm I mean I'll show up to work and I'll I'll watch Netflix in the dressing room or I'll take a nap or maybe I'll play some video games and then I'll go home and (laughs) it, 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 it messes with your head you right. know? Yeah, um, I was going to say, like, is because you've done a couple of these kinds of gigs, right? Like, I've done. Or I know you've yeah, done a yes lot of long no. runs. They haven't all been yeah. off stage, though. No. I mean, with Warhorse, um, so my first Broadway show was with uh, was Warhorse with our classmate, uh, Zach Via. And I was hired to be the, uh, what they called the human swing. Um, there were two swings in the show. There was the human swing and the horse swing. And I covered the ensemble tracks of 26 people. Oh my god. And that was incredibly stressful. Uh, in a, you know, and it was amazing to be a part of that cool show. And, you know, I was really glad to be there, but like it would, every day I'd show up and it would be just chaos for me (laughs) because, you know, they would have me doing pieces of eight different people's tracks put together in a way that wasn't actually supposed to go that way. Hmm. And, um, and yeah, so that was kind of crazy, but you know, I was in my twenties and what a delight, but, um, but yeah, I I don't know that I'd want to do that again. Um, and I don't know that I want to do offstage covering anymore after this, uh, just, just because I want to, I'd rather be doing the thing somewhere small, you know, or out of town or with my friends in my apartment. I mean, obviously I want to make money, but I don't know. I just, maybe we should cut that bit out, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, especially after such a long time of this. Yeah. How long were you doing it before the pandemic? I was with it for eight months. Um, And uh, do you find like a level of anxiety over not knowing when you will go on of that readiness of feeling like, Oh my God, what if it's today and I'm not as prepared today as I thought I was, or. I definitely did in Warhorse. I definitely felt that anxiety. Um, 
just because of the sheer volume of things I had to be ready to do. That's how I felt during Orphan's Home Cycle because it was like, oh my god, well that was three different plays. What if wasn't some? It? Yeah, what if what if the wrong track is out and that's the one that I don't feel ready for or something? Oh my god, yeah. No, that that was a lot of coverage. That was a lot and a lot of words too. Yeah. So, <laughs> how was it with this one? This one, it, it's I'm I'm covering fewer tracks. Yeah, I'm covering fewer tracks. There's you know there's stuff that I need to do, but I've a lot of them I've done a lot, and I was really surprised coming back to the show after uh, a year and a half away how much I remembered, and that was something I think a lot of people were saying. Um, you know, it's like one of those things where you, you stop doing a show for a month and you feel like you can't remember anything about the show, but then you put it in context and you're like, oh no, that's where I do this and that. And that thing needs to be there and everybody needs to, you know, it, it just snaps back in, in context, which is kind of relieving. That's good. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, but yeah, the anxiety of, oh no, what's going to happen? Cause I, and Warhorse, I would show up sometimes, and they would give me. Um, when when you have people go out of a show, um, I'm I'm doing this for the audience members who don't work in the theater. Um, <laughs> when you when you have people go out of a show, you will um, depending on how the show operates, you will get like a cut show sheet uh, where, okay, so uh, Danny is out, so Steven's going to move into Danny's track, and and you know uh, Kristen is out, and so. Uh, Annie's going to move into Kristen's track, but then somebody needs to do bits of Annie's track and, and Steven's track. And then like you merge them together. And I would get a lot of these cut show sheets that would be bits and pieces, of different people's parts. And they would have me literally entering and exiting in different costumes at the exact same moment um, (laughs) (laughs) in different places. And so it was like, I had to be very careful going through those sheets every day because I'm like, yeah, no, that is physically physically impossible and nobody's uh, double checked this until you've looked at it well yeah i mean because it's just everybody's just trying to get it ready as quickly as possible and that was Mm -hmm. a show where we had uh, a lot of uh people get injured Mm -hmm. uh, just because of the nature of the show um so you know people would be out for a day or a few weeks i mean i had my own uh medical uh, event there yes. that was sort of interesting and um, I did I did want to ask you something about it. Do you want to give like the brief version of what happened and then I'll ask you my question? Well, sure. Um, yeah, I had a stroke on stage uh, in Warhorse in I was twenty seven or twenty eight. I can't remember which. Oh my god! And um, basically, I was having muscular trouble with my neck and um, from operating one of the puppets in the show. And I went to the PT at the theater and he was like, Oh, let me try something. And he grabbed my head and he twisted it really far to the left and he twisted it really far to the right. And it kind of felt like he was like trying to break my neck. But uh, I was like, ah, he's a professional. He knows what he's doing. And um, what I didn't know then, and for the next, you know, eight days or 10 days or whatever it was, was that uh, in doing that, he partially tore both of the arteries in my spine. Ugh. So you have four main arteries in your spine, in your neck. You have the carotids everybody's familiar with from like Sweeney Todd. Those are the ones in the front. And you have your vertebral arteries. <laughs> Love that that's your reference. <laughs> oh yeah, come on now. Um, on the Broadway Podcast Network, you gotta go with the Sweeney Todd. Um, 
And uh, you have your ones that go up through your spine. Those are your vertebral arteries. So those were both partially torn. And so I didn't know it, but I had these blood clots flying through my system for like a week and a half. And, um, and so a week and a half later, it was Sunday, August 5th of 2012. And we had a lot of people out that day, but I was so amped. It was Sunday. Oh boy. The weekend is coming. (laughs) Yes, please. And, um, so there was a portion of the show, everything was going fine. I mean, for as fine as something can go with a lot of people out unexpectedly. Uh, one of our castmates, Ben Horner, his wife had just had given birth to their first child like that night. And, hmm. you know, so I'll always remember his child's birthday. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, the, there's a point in the show towards the end where the Joey, the horse uh, is stuck in no man's land. And that's sort of the area between two trenches uh, in trench warfare. Um, and <laughs> so uh, I, I was getting ready in my position and there's a point at which four people have to run out and like slide onto the deck. And then the deck starts to rotate as the horse is running around the perimeter. And there's these sounds of explosions and whatnot. Um, so I'm covering one of those people, the four people who slide onto the deck and I'm in the, background area which we call the Nashscape which I, I guess was based off of this artist Thomas Nash um, and there's our cue and we run out and we slide down onto the deck and we get there there's supposed to be four of us and there's only three of us and uh, <laughs> I'm like the only person who knows what everybody does uh, <laughs> so my castmate uh, Katrina Yaki who is just a delight she turns to me and she goes Jeff Jeff, there's there's only three of us. What do we do? This is meanwhile the deck is rotating. There are explosion sounds going on. And there's a horse running around us, but we're having this you know conversation. <laughs> quiet conversation on the deck. Quiet, quiet. I mean nobody could hear us anyway. And I'm like, I said to her because our job was then to get up and help puppeteer this horse jumping over a girder. And I say to her, you're going to have to do both back hooves. Don't worry, we're going to be just fine. Uh, which is literally what I said right before I had my stroke. So. Oh the deck stops rotating. There was a sound cue. We rolled over to meet the horse. And as soon as I stood up, everything just started spinning. Oh, my God. Uncontrollably, like, you know, like like you're on a terrible roller coaster. And so I just closed my eyes and I leaned on the puppet. I, like, dug my shoulder into the puppet. Thinking at the time, I'm like, I'm really going to piss off whoever is operating this puppet. Um, but uh, so we were able to puppeteer the horse jumping over the girder. Meanwhile, poor Katrina Yaki literally has her head up the uh, the butt of the horse, <laughs> the horse, trying to puppeteer these two back hooves in a way that uh, was never supposed to happen. And we are able to get over the girder. Then I have to open my eyes and turn and run off. And as soon as I open my eyes, I just, again, everything's just spinning again. And so I sort of fling myself into the darkness. And, uh, and I land on the deck. And then I hear one of the assistant stage managers come up to me and he says, Jeff, Jeff, are you all right? And I say, yeah, I'm just spinning. And he says, would you like to come off stage? And I said, yes, please. So he grabbed me by the back of my coat and dragged me off stage. And then I was vomiting for like 16 hours. Um, Fun fact, the show didn't stop and people in the audience (laughs) didn't even know. So it's uh, a, it was a, can't believe there's a lot that. going on on stage. 
just so you all know, Jeff is on this podcast today, so he's all right. Thank goodness. Not dead. I mean, I did receive a letter telling me I was dead, but that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing, which is very... (laughs) Very interesting. The city of the city of the New York, of New York or the state of New York. The state, the state of New York. Yeah, they 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 sent me a letter consoling me on my own death. But that's a whole other. But that was a paperwork happen. snafu. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full '90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. I mean, it, it's a fascinating story. I'm sure we could talk the whole podcast about that. The, <laughs> the thing that I was going to ask about it, I'm sure it's affected you and affected your life in so many ways. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious if after you recovered from that, if there's a way that you've changed your approach to your work, your outlook on your work, the importance of your self-care, the things you're willing to do for Hmm. a kind of role, for a physical role, for like, were there new boundaries that you set for yourself after that? That's a lot of questions that are all trying to get at the same idea, I guess. Sure. Um, Yeah. I, I mean, I think that the thing I learned most from that was not actually work-related. Um, I, you know, I, I've always struggled with my self-esteem and things like that. And um, and always had that little, like, voice in the back of my head, like, oh, everybody hates you, blah, 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 which I, I know a lot of people have. Um, and it was really eye-opening to me to see how many people – you know, would came to visit me in the hospital. And that was sort of a moment of realizing and people who you wouldn't expect to, you know, uh, went out of their way to, you know, check in. And it was a reminder that I, that like, even though you and I, for instance, you know, uh, we talk maybe a couple times a year, but we don't, you know, I don't see you every month. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I, I don't love you profoundly. I do, you know, um, everybody's living their own lives. Everybody is doing their own thing. And, and it's easy to feel like you are not cared about when you are, Yeah, you know, it's like that chicken soup for the soul thing. Um, no, I think that people would be really surprised by the number of people who care about them. But unfortunately, People don't find out about those things unless something truly dramatic happens. You know, people might not come to your birthday party, but, you know, they they care. Um, it's, I don't know. That was a very profound thing. In terms of work, uh, in my work, I, because this wasn't something, this was not my works. I mean, this was a, a PT's, you know, error. And I No, no, and that's not what I mean, but... I'm just wondering if it changed your outlook or the way you approach things at all. You know, I don't know that it changed much about how I view work. Maybe it should have. I don't know. No, I, I guess I guess an interesting thing is that that event really was a reminder to me of how unimportant work is. 
and this is as somebody who loves to work and who loves to be involved with art and wants to do a lot more of it. Um, but you know, it's in those times where you really have a moment to go, Oh, this is important, but not all important. And I, I, I frequently will make the error of making uh, work all important. It's funny. Um, when we were uh, in our fourth year at Juilliard, we had this person who um, visited our our classes. Uh, I don't, I, you know, and uh, and he said to us, uh, "The most successful actors are the ones for whom acting is not the most important thing." Do you remember this? I don't, but I mean, it's something that it stuck I've with me. Been told, but I don't remember who. Um, and I, at the time, I was furious because you know I'm like, no, mm, you know make it make it important and i it didn't really make sense to me for a long time and but it does now um it also i think depends upon your definition of success um but it can't be it can't be all important because then you're at the subject of a merciless you know ocean that will lift you up and crash you down as much as possible and you have no control, just no control over this business. And so letting it have sway over your, which, which I do, I mean, but letting it have sway over your emotions is a recipe for just misery. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, people who, for, who have something else that is more important, I think that they're definitely the most successful people. Because, because they're taking power into their own hands. You know, I think I have such respect for people like yourself who, you know, are raising children and, and being an artist at the same time. And, and, you know, I, and, or people who I'm not a religious person, but people who are really into their religious, whatever. I mean, like, that's great too, because it's just, you can't let this business tell you who you are. I mean, if I let this business tell me who I am, I would think I was a really ugly, violent man, which is just not who I am. <laughs> but that's who the business wants me to be. Hmm. You know, they I, I get cast almost exclusively as like murderers or murderers who get murdered uh, or, you know, just tough guys and that's you know you know me so if i let the business tell me who i am then i'm you know gonna be unhappy i don't know um i i find myself rambling a lot here i hope it's some of this is usable, <laughs> it is usable. um how do you approach auditions these days with that in mind <laughs> mm. with not letting the the tempest throw you about and your emotions about how do you try to stay grounded through the audition acceptance rejection process yeah i mean sometimes it's easier than others you know every we all have that experience of um of really wanting something and then not getting it shortly after we graduated from, from juilliard i like three sort of little guide rules popped into my head that I've sort of had to remind myself of 
regularly. Um, and the first one is it's, it's never going to make any sense. And that I think really <laughs> holds true. It's just never, ever, ever going to make any sense. Second rule is it's always going to come down to things you can't control. Um, because if it was just sheer talent, you know, then I know a lot of people who would be famous beyond their wildest imaginations. If it was just talent, but obviously so often it comes down to just things that you have no control over. And then the third rule that came much later than the first two uh, is they who care, he or she or they, or, you know, um, who cares the least wins. And I don't love saying (laughs) that, but I do think it's true in that the more you care about something, the more you're going to be in your head. And, you know, it's like that thing that, that, that everybody talks about in our business. It's like, it's always like the job that you can't do because you have like a trip. That's the one you book. The job that you don't want to do, that's the one you book. Do you have any artistic mentors who have been important to you in your career? Hmm. That's a great question. I mean, I've obviously had a, a lot of great teachers over the years. Um, the word the word mentor to me implies uh, sort of a very uh, um, personal sort of care, you know, like a, a, a guide, you know. Um, and I don't know that I, I've had I've had friends who I've really. Um, who've really taught me a lot about what it is to exist in this business. Um, my, my one friend, Michael Kostroff, uh, who's a really fantastic actor, uh, has been a really great guide to me um, in a lot of ways. But yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like the... Because like the way that the theater used to operate, and I'm not talking about anything other than just the actual structure of things, was be, mm. you're in a company, and you're in that company, and you're going to do 15 plays together. And there are going to be, you know, people of various ages and whatever, and, you know, you work your way through the company. And, you know, I think there's much more opportunity for a mentoring environment in that than there is in sort of a, oh, I did a reading with this person one time, and, you know, they were very... There are actors who I look to to show me what it is to live a life like this. Yeah. And that is, um, there's this fantastic actor, David Manis, who uh, I've been lucky enough to do War Horse and, and To Kill a Mockingbird with. And he is just one, just the sweetest man. Um, but he also has a very good outlook. Uh, sort of a a clear head about things. And it's not that he doesn't, you know, it's not that he doesn't care because he does care, but he has a very calm, placid view of the business that I, I uh, really admire. Um, no. And I think that's, I think that's important. I think that totally fits in with everything that we're talking about. Like I, I, even in college, I feel like I was somehow looking for examples of 
artist couples who had managed to have kids and have a family. Like there was something that I was looking for out of the life as an artist that I wanted to mm-hmm. see that it existed and that somebody was able to do it. And so like someone like that, that you're talking about, who's able to do their job well, but not put too much importance on it to see, keep everything in balance. That makes total sense to me. And it's important yeah. that we know that that exists and it's not just everybody sacrificing themselves completely at the altar, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's it, because it, it can seem that way. And, and also, you know, unless you know somebody, you really only know the very surface level of what's going on in their life. Yeah. Like you're talking about like uh, art, artist couples with kids, like that's a whole set of challenges that I don't know what they are. And you know, having somebody to talk to about that, I'm sure has been fantastic, you know? Are there any lessons you've learned in the last couple of years that you're really proud of? Hmm. It could be something small or big. Lessons that I've learned that I'm really proud of. I feel like there's a lesson I'm learning. I don't feel like it's, I've fully learned it yet. I feel like, uh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm learning lots of things all the time, I guess, but um, I guess I, I'm, I'm worried I'm going to sound like a broken record, but um, I'm just not that important. And uh, I mean, I'm important in my own life, but um, I think that, you know, a lot of my own sort of worries about like, oh, does this person, oh, did I say this thing and somebody think it was, mm-hmm. you know, dumb or, you know, all these different things. I, you know, I'm, I'm always making myself the center of, the story that I'm in, which, you know, I think a lot of people do, but it's just, I'm just not that important. And I mean, that's important. That's a, I deal with a lot of anxiety too. And I think that even though that doesn't seem to be the obvious issue with it, that's one of the main things that's running through it. As you said, like like worrying all the time about what people are thinking of you or what your actions impact is when actually it's not the center of the situation. Yeah, like if you wrong somebody, you know, apologize, make it right. But odds are, I mean, 90% of the time when I think I've wronged somebody, I have not. And then when I apologize, it just makes it weird. So <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what, are, what are you apologizing for? And I'm like, I, okay, I'll stop. I'm sorry. <laughs> then I apologize for apologizing. And then, then, then we get in a loop. Uh. Well, there's two small questions that I usually ask at the end, unless mm-hmm. there's something that I have not asked you about that you were really looking forward to talking about. Um, you know, I, I would like I would like to say uh, a thing that I wish I had been told a few years back, mm-hmm. and maybe I was, and I just wasn't able to hear it. This life, this lifestyle, is not linear. And it is going to take turns that you don't expect. And sometimes those turns are great and sometimes they're not. But nothing, the only way that it ends is if you choose to end it. And because I, I, you know, I, I went through a period of like almost three years where I just didn't work at all. And I worked at a beer distributor for a year and a half and I worked in sports marketing for a year and I was, you know, completely miserable. And I was like, Oh, I'm, I've washed out of the business. And, um, and 
it's not true. It's not true. And I think that a lot of us, especially when we're not working, uh, can feel like we've been forgotten or we, um, or like, Oh, that people don't think I'm good enough or whatever, or, you know, um, and it's just not true. And also an important thing to remember too, is people only see when you're successful. Right. I mean, they're only aware of you when you're working. They're not aware of you when you're struggling. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny when I, when I started doing Mockingbird, I ran into, um, somebody I hadn't seen in years and, but they were like, oh, well, you know, I didn't come out of school and just start doing Broadway all the time coming out right away. And I was like, wow, okay. That is how you perceive my experience. And that is <laughs> really interesting. Right. Um, because, you know, uh, I came out of school and I handed out flyers in Times Square for a year and uh, that was lame. And then I got a nice job and I got, you know, I was able to do another job and then I didn't work again for many, many more years. And um, you're only aware of people's ups. You're not aware of people's downs and you're always aware of your own downs because you're there. Especially and with so social media that only amplifies that. Of course, nobody's going to be like, I mean, people do it and then it, it doesn't look good either. Like, oh, I'm having a hard time right now. Like nobody wants to see that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's hard. But also That's like. Good to keep in mind. It is. It is important to remember that. And also, I, honestly, I think it's one of the most beautiful things about the acting business is that you can come into it at literally any age. Um, you can take 20 years off and come back to it and kill it you know um you can start in your 60s and have a career uh it is one of the few perform actually i think it might be the only performing art form where that's actually true there are certain performing arts that physically you can't do after a certain right. you know age there are performing arts where if you don't get that training right off the bat you're going to be so far behind but acting is something that and obviously, as somebody who, you know, went through eight years of college for acting, um, I'm a big advocate for, you know, getting training. You don't have to. You can get that training in the field. So I don't know. I just I, I guess I want people to know that even if you feel like you're out, you're probably not. And everybody probably thinks you're just busy doing something cool, but they haven't heard about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that reminder. I needed that reminder myself. So thank you. Um, yeah. When you are kind of in that dark side and feeling disconnected or uninspired, um, are there any physical things that you return to again and again, like books you reread, music you listen to, like things like that, that you can grab onto mm. that help a little bit? Sure. There's a great book called The Drama of the Gifted Child. Uh, I think it's by Alice Miller. Um, it's a psychology book and, uh, I find that very useful. It's sort of, it's also one of the best acting books I've ever read, actually, um, sort of about why people do what they do, but it is a reminder mm -hmm. of like, basically, you know, um, oh, okay, I'm having this reaction and this is why I'm having this reaction. It sort of talks about, uh, uh, well, I'll let people Google it. It's a good book. And, um, I love listening to um music that is atmospheric i guess would be the word i would use um 
you know, Steve, uh, I, I can never know how to pronounce it, Reich or Reich, uh, mm-hmm. Philip Glass, stuff like that, I find very calming. I recently made the big leap from thinking about meditating a lot to meditating, which I'm very proud Ooh, of. Good for you. <laughs> Thank you. Hopefully I'll keep that habit alive. Um, awesome. But uh, I I would not say I am good at it yet. I know that that's probably not a word you're supposed to use about meditation, but I am consistent, giving perhaps? it a whirl. And it does seem to help at least, you know, for some period of time. That's great. And then the last question is, is there anything that you've seen or taken in recently, any work of art that you would like to recommend? Oh. A show, a book, whatever it may be. <laughs> um, you know what? I recently rewatched this. Uh, I don't even know how I'd describe it. Uh, but I feel like people should watch it because I think it's insane and kind of funny, <laughs> but also very heartfelt and moving. Um, it's called Her Master's Voice. Um, and it is a documentary. I guess you'd call it a documentary. I don't know. Maybe you'd call it a comedy special. I'm not quite sure what you'd call it uh, about this um, English uh, comedian who performs a ventriloquist act uh, and her mentor who she used to be in a relationship with passes away. And so he leaves her all of his puppets (laughs) and she takes those puppets on a trip to vent Haven, which is, I guess the world museum of ventriloquism in like Kentucky or something to give these puppets to the museum museum there. I, 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 there's no description of this. <laughs> it that has can, to be experienced. It is. I highly recommend it. So that is Amazing. something that I saw recently that I would recommend. And I think it's just weird and wonderful. And <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's my recommendation of the thing I saw recently Fantastic. again. Thank you so much, Jeff. This was so great to just hear about where you're at and to hear your voice. Thank you. Well, it's always just, you know, it brings me great joy to see your face, to hear your voice, and be in your presence. Thank you for listening to The Compass Podcast. If you find these conversations valuable to your life as an artist and would like to support the ongoing production of The Compass, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash thecompasspodcast. Pledges start at as little as $1 a month, and anything you can give would be greatly appreciated. Also, if you have a moment, please review and follow in iTunes. Every little bit helps other listeners to find the podcast. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, music by Brendan Spieth, audio assistance from Monik Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.